Hi everyone, and thank you so much for tuning into Grow With Grief, a podcast that aims to make the uncomfortable comfortable and open up the conversations around grief and loss. My name is Katrina, and together we will be hearing different stories from different people, how grief has impacted their life and what they've learned from it. And together we will create a community that normalizes the conversations around grief and loss. Today we are hearing from Marie, a grief and anxiety coach who walks the path of healing with women who have suffered a profound loss. She specialises in helping women get to the root of their anxiety after loss in order to reclaim their joy and lives in the after. Her approach is based on the assumption that you are the expert of your own grief and her work focuses on guiding you back home to yourself. Having lost her life partner to cancer, her guidance and coaching comes from both education and personal experience, which allows her to deeply relate to her client's experience of grief and loss. She is the founder of Empowered Through Grief, a coaching practice and community that provides a safe space for healing and growth for thousands of women. I'm super excited to be sharing this conversation with you. Marie shares with so much honesty and truth and grace. So enjoy and don't forget to let us know if any of this resonated with you. Hello Marie, thank you so much for joining us today on this episode. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. That's okay. It's my pleasure. Um, So for anybody listening today, would you be able to just give a quick brief overview of your life and sort of how you've come to where you are today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I came to where I am today completely by accident and just by the way that things happened. Um, three years ago, my partner, my boyfriend, um, the man I thought I was going to spend my whole life with, he passed away. Um, so he was this really healthy, vibrant, um, just happy energetic man and he really seemed I mean for you know as far as we knew he really seemed like he was in the best shape of his life he was so healthy he was so active he was playing sports and then he just started having some some pain um he was diagnosed with an ulcer he was misdiagnosed (laughs) with an ulcer a bunch of times and it turned out it wasn't an ulcer at all but it was um terminal pancreatic cancer and so from that moment, when the diagnosis came, just obviously our lives um, completely changed from one day to the next. And I just embarked on this kind of journey of walking him um, on his path, you know, between life and death. Um, there really wasn't much hope. I mean, although we did have a little bit of hope in the beginning, but there, with pancreatic cancer, there's really nothing you can do. So um, it was pretty clear early on that I was going to walk him um, in the last month of his life towards whatever happens after that. And so obviously that was very transformative. um, And it's an experience that has stayed very, um, this impacted me like really profoundly in my life. And so after his passing, um, I just, just started trying to figure out like, what is grief? (laughs) What am I actually experiencing? It's such a huge, like enormous experience to navigate. So I just started writing about it anonymously on Instagram. And from there, I just, I mean, I met so many women. I connected with so many people who 
had experienced similar losses and um yeah my my following just grew um and now i have this amazing engaged community of women who really support and show up for one another um in their grief and healing journeys or however journey is not the best word but (laughs) so and then from there i noticed everything that was missing for us grievers and so i decided to just become a life coach i got like a bunch of certifications and i was just figuring it out as i went and i started offering certain services to my community and yeah and that's what i that's what i do today so yeah definitely this experience has changed my whole life and i would have never thought three years ago that this is where i would be today yeah and it really does shape us doesn't it these these experiences that we have and I love that you've got such a big community because I think in the grief space community is so important it's so important to be able to have those conversations um share your stories together with people who you know I don't think you'll ever have the exact same experience but people who can relate it makes such a difference Mm -hmm. so it makes all the difference in the world sorry <laughs> so nice. it makes all the difference in the world to find people who get it yeah mm. how has how has it helped you oh my goodness it's helped me so much because i find um unfortunately we live in a society and a culture that really doesn't understand grief um and even myself like when my partner passed away I didn't understand grief and so I didn't even understand what the hell I was going through myself so I was really uneducated about grief and then obviously my friends and family and the people who were trying to support me didn't understand grief better than I understood grief and so I think we're just not um, well equipped or well prepared for something that is quite inevitable I mean we're all going to be like, unfortunately, we're all going to lose someone. I mean, that's the only for sure part of life is that we're going to die. And so um, finding community and finding others who had walked this experience, who also um, finding others who had walked this experience before me and who were like three years out, four years out, 10 years out. Um, and for me to see them having rebuilt lives that they still could love um was really everything for me in the early days of my grief i don't know like if i hadn't met those people in the beginning um i don't know where i would have found hope really in those early days Mm -hmm. um yeah hope is so important i think that's probably like the biggest word to sum up what community can give you is hope um so you you mentioned there you touched on there about the fact that you you didn't understand grief yourself so what was your expectation or understanding of grief prior to your own personal experience yeah so I had like no real understanding of grief at all um I had lost my grandfather a few years before so obviously I was missing him and I I I was I grieved him but my grandfather had lived a full and long life and so it was different like it was it was so much easier to reach acceptance when I saw my grandfather who was almost 90 pass away um so with my partner it was completely completely different because it was sudden he was young um it it was an out out of order death like it just didn't make sense and so all i knew really about grief in the beginning were the five stages and i really thought i mean i think a lot of people think that very naive of me to think in the beginning now that i look back but i really thought like okay there are five linear stages and you go through them and once you reach acceptance then you're kind of like you're done (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. um 
And what I didn't know about the five stages is that they're not written for people like us who are left behind. Like the whole, the work behind that theory is actually meant to apply to people who are facing their own death. And so those are the five stages of people who are grieving because they are terminal and they know they're going to die. So it's so different for us grievers, but I didn't know this until I was actually in my grief. And I was like, this makes no sense. Like I'm, I've accepted that he died. I mean, I was walking him to his death for seven months. So there was no part of me that was denying that he had died. Um, so I was like, okay, if I've accepted that he's dead, um, I've reached acceptance. Why am I still like such a mess? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that is such a good point to touch upon because I think actually a lot of people until they experience grief for themselves, they do think that it is this linear process that you go through one, two, three, four, five, and then you're done when actually it is not like that at all. I think it's something that is constant throughout that you're evolving through and with, and it's back and forth bouncing between everything. Um, And it's, and I think it's so important that we can, let people who maybe haven't experienced grief in such a profound way yet know that so that they're, pre- they're prepared. Do you feel like it would have helped for you to know that before? Oh my God, it would have helped me so much because, and there's so many things that people don't talk about. Like, I mean, I couldn't sleep for at least six months. Um, I had nightmares where I would see him completely sick and distraught in my dreams. Um, I couldn't remember anything either. Like I couldn't focus at work. Um, I would lose my keys all the time. I couldn't keep my, my calendar straight with all the things I needed to do. So I felt like I, I had developed ADD, you know, and I was like, what the hell? I'm really going crazy. Um, and it's only through talking with others who had been there who were like, oh yeah, that's actually called grief brain and that's normal and you're not going crazy and you don't have ADD and you will eventually be able to read a book again. So um, yeah, it, yeah, it, is, it would have helped me so much to know more about grief before it happened to me, for sure. Mm. And how did, how did your grief impact your daily life? I mean, you said that you had to walk your partner through to the point of, of him dying, which in itself, there's a grieving process there. The ex, you know, you're ex- expecting it to happen. So how did all of that experience impact your daily life? going forward Hmm. yeah my life changed completely from the day of his diagnosis so in a way uh, because my life changed so much while he was still here it sort of prepared me for how different my life would be once he would know he was no longer here Um, so I am in a way a bit grateful that I had to navigate all of that change in such a short time because it really did prepare me for you know the insane the, just in, the insanity of early grief, um, it affected my daily life in every single way possible. I think there was no space that my grief didn't touch in my life in the beginning. You know, it was over everything. I couldn't, I couldn't drive my car without just remembering that, you know, when I was driving my car, I would give him a call and he would keep me company on the road, um, watching movies, putting on Netflix. Now I was alone. Um, even my furniture, like I was just looking at my furniture and I'm like, I have to get rid of this couch because this is where, this is where he was, you know, at the end of his life, like this is where he was sleeping. Um, so everything changed. And then obviously he was my partner. And so my life, like there were some really real changes that had to happen in my, in my outward life. So I, I, I sold, 
my home. I moved myself and my son back to my mother's house because I was like, I'm in no position to make a big decision now about the rest of my life. Like, I have no idea where I want to go. Do I want to buy another home? Um, I just had no idea. So I just packed all of my stuff into her garage. I moved back in with my mother. Mm. <laughs> Everything had changed. Every single thing had changed. And it was like all of the plans that I had made for my future, the way that I thought my life was going to go, um, all of that was taken away completely. And so now when I looked to the future, I saw nothing. It was completely blank. Like I had no idea what I was going to rebuild out of, out of this. Mm-hmm. And do you mind me asking, what was it like for you as a mother as well? Do, how old was your son when this happened? So he was three. Um, so he turned three in the same month that my partner passed away. So um, thank goodness I had a lot of help. I'm really lucky to have, I have my mom who really was there for us during the whole thing. And so obviously when I was caring for him, uh, my mom was helping me a lot with my son so that we would have, you know, he would have like a semblance of normalcy. (laughs) But obviously it was really difficult. Um, Yeah, it's really difficult. And even today, I mean, we're, I'm three years out now, but my kids grieve differently than we do. And so my son will have these grief waves now three years later and he'll remember some, a moment and it'll come out of nowhere. Like he'll literally be playing with his toys and then he'll remember something and he'll want to talk about it. And so we'll just grieve together in that moment. We'll talk about it. I'll validate his feelings. And just like that, it'll, it'll pass. But those moments are always really difficult for me. I mean, they really come out of nowhere and then I see him being sad and I have, I, I mean, in a way, like it's not, I know it's not my fault, but I do have some guilt that he was exposed to the harsh reality of life at such a young age. And it did, um, it did affect, like, I mean, now we have a dog, you know, and he's always like, when is the dog going to die? And then he's like, who's the next person in our family who's going to die? Like, mm-hmm. and my grandmother is in her 90s, like, for sure, it's going to be your grandma. And um, he's a little bit death obsessed, you know, which I have to navigate with him, make sure that that you know that he understands but as now he's six so he has to understand things at a level of a six-year-old yeah. it's uh it's very complicated <laughs> yeah yeah and as a mother I can imagine all you want to do is protect your child from these things but I think the fact that you're finding a way to communicate with him and have those conversations is it takes a lot of courage from you and I hats off to you but I think that um I'm sure that your son will appreciate that later on in life when he's a little bit older. Um, So what has been your biggest lesson that you have taken from your grief and loss? You've created something amazing, this amazing community. You give back to the community. So what has been your biggest lesson throughout all of that? Hmm. There are so many. (laughs) And all of the lessons, like my most powerful lessons, really come from Andrea, from my partner. Um, I remember uh, when he was really, really sick, he was at the end of his life. It was summer here in Montreal, so it was beautiful and it was warm. And we were walking outside and I remember he stopped walking like in the middle of the street and the sun was shining on his face and he just closed his eyes and just felt the sun on his face. And everybody was looking at us, like people were walking, like what is going on with this guy? And then he just opened his eyes after having a moment and he was like, you know what? I am so glad that I didn't miss 
this day. And by that, he meant he was just glad to be alive in this moment to experience this day. And at this point in his cancer, he was no longer able to work. He was barely able to eat. He was barely able to walk for longer than 15 minutes. Um, he needed a wheelchair to go to most places. I mean, he had lost a lot in terms of like his life was not normal. Like he had lost everything. He was in pain all the time. And so to hear him say that and to have this moment of like just gratitude for the, just the experience of being alive in this moment that has stayed with me so much. I think it stayed with me every single day. And, and in the early days after his passing, I remembered that a lot. And I was like, you know what, if he could be grateful for the sun on his face as he had lost everything and he was dying I can get out of bed and I can go on, you know, like I can, I can do something meaningful today. So, so that's one lesson that has stayed with me. Just, just try to make the most um, out of every moment that, that, like there's still a lot of joy in my life, you know, and there was still a lot of joy in my life, even in those early days. And there was a lot of meaning. Like I had my son, I had my mother, I had my friends. I had a lot of people that I cared about a lot. And so that's one thing. Now I feel like I love my people much better. I love my people on a deeper level. Um, and with this very, very like personal experience of having lost someone, like I know how fragile it all is and how quickly someone can be taken away from you. And so I feel like I just over cherish my people now and I just make every moment um, count. Obviously, I'm not happy all the time, but I mean, you know what I mean? There's just a lot of meaning in having those close relationships with the people that I love. Yeah, that that story gave me goosebumps. Mm. I think that is so beautiful that you're able to take that with you and that be a memory for you. Um, yeah, wow, wow. Um, could you touch on a little bit about the work that you do now and how you help others? Yeah, of course. Um, so I... I call myself like a creator of safe spaces for grieving women because again, we live in this culture that really doesn't understand grief. And we live in a culture with like, there's a lot of toxic positivity. And so I find for us grievers so often when we express ourselves out there in the real world, even with our, our close support people, um, it's just, there's such a rush for us to get to a place of gratitude and meaning and like, okay, where's the silver lining? Like, at least you had that great love or at least, you know, you have a beautiful son and he's healthy. Like, where's the silver lining? And so it felt very frustrating to me in my early grief not to be able to process the full extent of the experience of grief and to be like rushed to bypass the hard stuff to get to the gratitude. Um, and not to say that the gratitude isn't a great place to be. Obviously, gratitude and meaning and acceptance is, is, is wonderful. And that's, where we aim to be most of the time, but we can't bypass everything else. And so what I do in my work is I just give women an opportunity to be seen, to be witnessed, to be heard, and to be met exactly where they are so that they can begin to process the full extent of their experience of loss. And, and yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what I do. So I do this in many different ways. Um, I have a uh, my newest um, my newest program is a is a group program called Sisterhood in Grief, and it's there's ten of us who get together every week, 
and um, we just share and we just validate one another in our experiences of loss. We talk about the hard stuff. We talk about the beautiful stuff. Um, we just look at everything so that we can begin to make sense of who we are now, how did this change us, what matters to us now, and what can life look like now moving forward. And can you dive just a little bit deeper into why you think it's important that we move through those stages like in our own time without trying to rush through them and why it's important that as well for people who are supporting those who are grieving we don't try and force that process Hmm. yeah that's such a good question I think I think the reason why um, the people who love us and support us tend to try to rush our process is just because it's so uncomfortable to talk about death it's uncomfortable to watch someone that you love grieve and so I don't want to ever blame um, or support people because they are doing the best that they can with their level of understanding and with their own discomfort because I'm sure that a lot of their stuff comes up when they see us grieve Um, and so but the reason why we can't bypass all of the hard stuff and just get to the gratitude is that it's we're we're human like we have uh, a depth of 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 emotions and we have a variety of emotions and we have to look at everything and grief grief itself is not just one emotion i think it's just a combination of beliefs emotions experiences and it's a bunch of stuff and so what i like to tell my clients is that look at everything that's in your giant grief suitcase. Like just look at everything, process everything, let yourself be okay with feeling all of it. Um, And then once you've looked at everything and you felt everything, you can decide, then you can make meaning um, wherever meaning can be found and you can choose to let go of some of the things. There's a lot of ways I feel like we inflict some suffering upon ourselves after the loss of a loved one. And those are some of the things that we can begin to learn to let go of. But if we're not even going to look at the hard stuff like the shame and the guilt um, and the anger, if we're not even willing to look at it, it's going to come out in other ways. And so you might end up with anxiety. You might end up just, just completely trying to shut yourself off from the world. Um, if you've lost, you lost a partner, you might end up closing your heart to the possibility of love again, just because you're really afraid or you're really angry or you have a lot of guilt that you're carrying. And so I think just not rushing the process and really allowing yourself um, to feel it all. And I mean, this is scary, like it's not an easy process. Um, but just allowing yourself to do that is just beautiful. And it's really transformative and it'll help you move through it in such a healthier way. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with everything you've just said mm-hmm. there. I think that is so true. And coming from a person who definitely didn't allow themselves to look at my suitcase, um, <laughs> you know, it is so important now that I'm in a place where I'm able to do that. And I think it's, it's amazing that you're helping these people, other people out there um, and giving them that safe space and, um, to be able to do that. I think that's, I think it's so valuable, so valuable. Um, so what would your biggest piece of advice be to, I mean, you've kind of touched on it there, I guess, about looking at your suitcase and feeling everything, but what would your biggest piece of advice be firstly to somebody who is experiencing grief and loss for the first time in their life? 
And then the second part of the question is how, what would you advise somebody who is trying to support somebody who is experiencing grief and loss for the first time? Hmm. Those are two very good questions. Okay. So oh, what I would, I mean, there's so many things I could say. <laughs> there are as many as you need. <laughs> um, I think for us, the griever, um, the thing I wish I would have done more for myself in the beginning is just give myself more space and more time to really feel it and process it without feeling the need to rush back into like a sense of normal life or, you know, there's a sense like when our person first dies that the world keeps going on around us. But for us, it's like, we're at a standstill. We're frozen in time. I wish I would have stayed frozen in time longer because I think it would have helped me just to slow everything down and just not rush back to work, not rush back to, to what I thought normal life was supposed to be like and just remove all of those expectations. Um, but it comes from not knowing much about grief when it happened to me. So I was also under the expectation that within a year, I was going to be so much better <laughs> and that was going to be healed. And, you know, even my mother, I was living with my mother and she was like, I'm giving you six months. And after six months, you got to start making dinner again and cleaning the house. And like, you got to do more than just, you know, like barely survive. And so she gave me a six months. Um, and I didn't know to challenge that. I didn't know um, that it would take so much longer. And in fact, every year after my loss, I just uncover new layers or I have a friend who calls this new landscapes in grief. And I find that every year there's something new for me to look at. Something new comes up that maybe I haven't processed in the first year or a new emotion that I've never felt. Like in year three now, I feel like there's a lot of anger that's coming up. And I'm like, hmm, it's interesting. Where is this anger coming from? Mm -hmm. um, and that wasn't there the first two years. So yeah, just I think slowing everything down and giving ourselves the, the space and um, creating, like being really intentional about creating a support system that feels good to us. And then that ties into the, the second part of your question. But so often I think I see with, with the women that I meet in grief, we put a lot we put a lot of burden, the burden of support on the people that we love, you know, like our, our family and our closest friends. And we think, well, if they can't show up for me in the way that I need, then maybe, you know, they're not meant to be in my life. And it's all or it's, there's so much all or nothing. Mm. Um, but I think, um, and I don't want to excuse like bad support people. I mean, I think some people are just give bad advice and some people just don't know how to support us. But it's also wrong of us to put all of the burden on our, on our people because they don't know. They haven't been there. Um, they don't know what we need. Sometimes we don't even know what we need. And so we can't even express that to them. And so for us to expect that everybody's going to behave perfectly and that everyone is going to meet all of our needs um, is just not realistic. And we're setting ourselves up to be really hurt and really disappointed at a time where we're super vulnerable because we're really hurt and disappointed already that this is life. So I was really intentional about seeking support. Like I was writing on Instagram and I was connecting with other young widows. And then I was also going to therapy. Like as soon as he passed away, like I got my butt to therapy and she wasn't the best therapist, but at least it was a space for me to go talk about the stuff that I couldn't talk about in my real life. Like the difficult stuff, the traumatic parts of walking someone through cancer 
um, the things I had to do, the things I had seen, I really needed a space to just dump that out. And I knew that I couldn't do that with my, with my, my brother and my best friend. Like I didn't want to traumatize them. So, um, so yeah, so support looks differently for everyone. And it's about being really intentional about creating these sort of these spaces for ourselves where we, we can explore this experience that we're living through. And so that can be just by finding like a group of like-minded women. Like I know for, for young widows, like there's a lot of, of young widow groups. There's a lot of groups on Facebook. There's soaring spirits in the state who organize, they organize like events for people who have lost a life partner. Um, so there's a lot that we can do in terms of getting support there. And therapy is, is one, getting a coach or a mentor or a guide is another, another way to do it. And then when it comes to our support people, um, this is like, it's a bit tricky because I feel like in early grief, we don't have the bandwidth to even know what we need. And we definitely don't have the energy or the bandwidth to start explaining what grief is to other people and how they can support us better and how they can be more compassionate and more understanding. So in early grief, I would say just get your support somewhere else. Like go to therapy, go talk to an expert, go dump everything out somewhere that is safe. Um, but then as we move through our grief, we come to understand ourselves a lot better. And then I think if we just give like little hints to our support people who are dying to be there, but don't know how, you know, and so many of them will say like, well, I'm here for you. Just call me if you need something. I will never call you because I'll always feel bad. Like I always feel like I'm, I'm asking for too much or it's uncomfortable. Like I will never call you and say, I need this now. But if I told my best friend, you know, it would really mean a lot to me if you could text me like every night um, for a week because I'm feeling super vulnerable. I can't sleep and I just really need to feel some love. 100% my best friend would text me every night for a week and probably for two weeks, you know? So just giving them a little bit of a hint of what support looks like for you can make all the difference in the world in actually feeling supported. Um, and for support people with no indication or no instructions, I would say, I would say just, just listen, just practice the art of deep listening without like hijacking the conversation and saying, Oh, you know, when my aunt also died from cancer, no, I don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> no, do not talk to me about your aunt or your grandmother or your dad's best friend who also died from the same cancer. Do not hijack the conversation. Just listen to me. Let me express myself. And just you being there, not looking away is huge. Just having someone who will listen without getting so uncomfortable that they need to give advice or hijack the conversation or turn away or change the, the topic. Just that is a huge gift that you can give to someone who's grieving because all we want is to be heard and for someone to say, this really is as bad as like you think it is. It is like your grief is valid. That's mm. all we want. Mm. Yeah. I, I feel like I need to give you a round of applause there because that was, that was <laughs> so incredible. And, you know, I think what, what you touched on about not, not holding anger or resentment towards the people who are trying to support us because they don't know how to support us. I think that is so true. Um, it can be painful at times having people around you that don't really know how to support you. But as you say, if we don't know how to support ourselves, 
how can we expect somebody else to support us so it's having that love there on both sides and knowing that however that looks for you that they're there whether that's listening baking you a cake like bringing dinner around for you to make that easier anything um simple it doesn't have to be big things it's simple little acts of kindness that that can make all of the difference so how i've absolutely loved talking to you i've absolutely loved hearing your story and your um advice as well um i love i love the the conviction that you have when you say it as well like it's just it's so true and you're clearly speaking from the heart how can people connect with you if they want to hear more from you if they want to take part in um your your courses that you do how can people find you yeah, so I'm on Instagram. I have a bit of an addiction I think, with writing on Instagram. Um, that's where people can find me most often. Um, and so my Instagram is at empowered underscore through underscore grief, empowered through grief. Um, my website is also empowered through grief.com if you want to know more about how to work with me. But just come and find me on Instagram. I do so much writing there. I, I, I talk about grief and death all the time <laughs> so if you're looking for a space where you're going to be welcomed and where you're going to feel understood just come and hang out with us um it's a really beautiful community and it's not like i feel like yes i've created the community but it's like it's the women that are in it with me like we're co-creating this community together and it's such a loving and supportive space and so yeah i would say just come hang out with us on Instagram as we talk about, you know, death, dying, love, grief, and all the things. Yes. And I can vouch that the stuff that you write is really incredible. Um, and it really, really speaks to so many people. So what I'd like to say just before we leave is, have you got any last words that you would like to say? Anything that we haven't touched on that you would really like to mention that you think would be helpful for the community that is listening today? Hmm. Yeah, I always want to say, and I say this to all of my clients, I say this to my community all the time, um, you know, in grief, it's so, it's so tempting just to read all the books and to follow all of the experts and to listen to all the podcasts and do all the things. Um, but at the end of the day, like you are the expert of your own grief and there's no one who can tell you what's right for you other than you. Mm. And so even though like even though I write about grief all the time and I support women in grief all the time, I am only like a gentle, compassionate guide, but really you are the expert of your own experience of grief. And so I think developing that self-trust is so valuable for us in grief and learning to connect with our own hearts again, with our intuition and trusting that we know what it is that we need and we know what kind of support to, to seek out. Um, I think that's really valuable for, for people to know. Just you can trust yourself. Like you know what's good for you. And if you hear a piece of advice that doesn't feel right, just don't take that in. Like don't listen to it. Just leave it at the door. It's not for you and that's fine. Mm -hmm. Love that. Thank you so much, Marie, for coming on, for sharing so openly, so honestly. And I'm looking forward to everybody connecting with you on Instagram and growing that community even more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
If you enjoyed listening to today's episode, please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. I invite you to also come and be a part of the community by connecting with us on Instagram at Grow With Grief. Before we go, I want to take the time to thank you. Thank you for tuning in and being part of a community that opens conversation, raises awareness and brings individual perspectives and stories to the forefront of a topic that is often avoided and treated as uncomfortable. The conversations that we have may sometimes bring your own emotions, memories and triggers to the surface and I want to encourage you to know that you are not alone. If you or anyone you care for is in need of support, please reach out to your local support line or if you are in Australia, you can contact Griefline by phone on 1300 845 745 who are available from midday to 3am every day.